Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Sally. I'm Linda. I'm Ming. And we're moving along. Thank you for all the support after our first episode. We were actually really surprised at all the positive comments, and we read all of them, so thanks. Thanks. Okay, to start off, let's go ahead with our weekly update. Um, Ming, why don't you go first? Right, so my week was um, pretty boring. It was just studying for finals because finals have officially started. I had a lot just spread out, I'd say, so it was mostly just going to different places around campus, trying to get away from all the crowded study spots. Uh, I think you all can relate to that because even on this huge campus, it's like really hard to find a, a small, quiet spot to study in. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I was trying to find spots to study in. Uh, I got some good feedback about my essay uh, for Asian American Studies, so that was pretty like nice to hear. I was super worried about it, and then it turned out to be a really good um, paper for me. But yeah, in general, just stressing out, I had a bunch of 8 a.m. finals, so I'm glad that I'm officially done with all my like formal tests. What about you guys? Um, so it's finals week for all of us, so just like taking tests every day, but when we're working, or like at least for me when I'm working on school, I want to draw a lot more just to kind of like mm. get away from um, writing essays or thinking about school, and I got another design job um, for like logo designing, so I'm very excited for that, and I'm thankful for people who want to work with me. Um, yeah, what about you? Yeah, you guys should like peep her Instagram. She has a Stop. whole like <laughs> art Instagram, but yeah, I don't advertise it. So <laughs> well, I just say your did. handle. <laughs> say your handle. I don't want to say it. Say At it. bubble tea. B u p p l e t e a. Yeah, uh, I kind of relate to that too because when Sally and I were studying together, we kept talking about like the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if it was to distract ourselves from studying or because we were so excited about this new like adventure, but like we could not focus. Yeah, so ha- making this podcast is something that's really exciting for us, and I hope that we can continue <laughs> into yeah. the future. Do you guys have any finals left, or mm. one on Monday, yeah. one on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not too worried. Yeah, Sally, how was your week? Um, I've been getting into crocheting <laughs> as a as a way to procrastinate, mostly. Mm-hmm. Mostly, but yeah, I had this really nice lab lunch um, on. Thursday and we went to Olive Garden which isn't the Olive best Garden. food but we did kind of like as a troll because <laughs> everyone hates Olive Garden and lab except for this one guy who's graduating so we did as a present for him we all went to Olive Garden remember the meme about the, like taking the, the breadsticks bread oh my god did you get breadsticks we got a lot Olive of breadsticks that's the only the only redeeming quality about Olive Garden yeah. I feel like okay so let's jump into the topic for today's podcast uh we're gonna talk about Myers-Briggs which you might not have heard of before, but um, I first heard about it doing orientation. It was like we had a whole class um, just talking about Myers-Briggs and personality tests and what we can learn from it, what the strengths and weaknesses were. Um, So we did that. And then after that, I became not obsessed really, but more just like really interested in it because I felt like my personality lined up with what I was given, or so I thought, which we'll talk about later. But I got really into personality tests, and then Linda's always been into astrology, so like mm-hmm. having that personality on top of that, I just love like categorizing people, I guess. So that's where I first heard about it. Had you guys heard about it before, Myers Briggs? I feel like I heard about it before college, but. What I the first memory I have really of it is in my UNIF class, mm-hmm. we're all required to do like the Myers Briggs test and like 
I don't know, talk about her results with her classmates, which I didn't really like that class, to be <laughs> honest. But I don't know. I thought it was interesting at the time, but I didn't really resonate. Like, I didn't really think about it that much right. after we had that assignment. So it was just mm-hmm. interesting to retake the test and, like, see if I still, like, see if I still believe in what they say. Right. Even after, like, we've taken it a few times, mm-hmm. I've, like, everyone was forced to take it for this podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. Linda, had you heard about it before? Um, yeah, I heard about it in high school. I think it was just a thing, like, online people were doing it, but I feel like the appeal of, like, taking personality tests, like, categorizing people um, is very strong. Like, in, like, the movies where it's, like, which character are you or, like, which Hogwarts house yeah. are you in? So there is that appeal to kind of relate yourself to, like, different groups and find, like, a kind of belonging or just like special characteristic but I do appreciate astrology more just because it seems more I don't know because MBTIs are talking about is connected to like careers like more practical things Mm -hmm. in life um and I kind of appreciate how astrology was just like pretty personal and it's like whatever you like um I think it's like romantic thing about like planets and like stars and how what it might mean to people I spoiler alert. Yeah. Astrology episode is coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I think the same way about astrology, and it's so popular with like YouTubers and celebrities nowadays. But let's really talk about Myers Briggs because that's what our episode is about today. So the Myers Briggs test is a personality test that was first developed in the 1920s, and it was based on Carl Jung's psychology research. So I first heard about him in AP Psych, but I didn't hear about this test until college. So basically, what if you guys haven't heard of it yet, um, we use the 16 personalities website because it gives a really clear um, definition, it has the test, it has all the personalities, and like each little character <laughs> has like a little cute name. So we're going to base all of our information off of that website today. Uh, but basically, they break it down, and it's broken down into six different letters um, that you're assigned to. So the first one, I think, is the easiest one to understand, and it talks about like the mind. So are you an introvert or are you extrovert? I feel like most people already know that intuitively, like what they are. That's like a common um, term. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's probably the easiest one to understand. And then after that, so you, for introvert and extrovert, you get an I or an E. And that's the first letter in your um, personality. Yeah, yeah. Per- personality. Um, and then after that is energy. So this one is kind of harder to understand, but it's how you process information and how you like um, see it around you. And so you're either observant or intuitive, and for that you get either get an S or an N. And that's a little harder to understand, like I still have difficulties understanding it, but the um, 16 Personalities website has a really good explanation if you guys want to check that out. And then after that is nature, how you make decisions. So you either make it based off of facts, um, using thinking as T, or feeling, how you feel on the inside, your emotions kind of guide you more than firm facts. And then after that, there's tactics or how you approach work situations. So are you really like type A where you're um, focusing a lot on making lists and um, scheduling yourself? If so, you would be judging. And if not, if you're more of the type B, very chill, relaxed, go with the flow, you're more of a perspective P. And then finally, we have identity or confidence. And this um, category wasn't originally in the first test, but 16 personalities added it on to be more specific. And I I think it really... um, at least I connect to this one a lot because it's how you feel confident or lack of confidence more like, or um, if you ever question yourself, I think a lot of um, anxiety can um, be shown in this um, yeah. category, I'd say. So you're either assertive for an A or turbulent as T. 
So we'll go through our personality types, but that's just kind of an overall understanding. Um, so, but second of all, we want to say before we really get into it is to take this test with a grain of salt. Um, I'll talk about it later on, but what I thought was like my personality type and like I totally agree with it. I was either like following a Reddit page for it. I was like in deep. <laughs> and then I took the test a few times recently and I realized that um, I'm actually something else. So like all tests, like even BuzzFeed quizzes and everything like that, it's just like something to be taken with a grain of salt and like don't let it define you because at the end of the day, it's just a way that humans categorize other humans, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do you want to get started, Sally? Okay. So according to the test, I am an ISTP-T <laughs> <laughs> or a virtuoso. So their description of this personality is that virtuosos love to explore with their hands and their eyes, touching and examining the world around them with cool rationalism and spirited curiosity. Uh, we are natural makers, and we move along from project to project. So I really resonate with the, I guess, the liking to make things with my hands and also moving along like project to project because... I don't know, I get, like, bored easily with mm. stuff that I do and, like, pick up hobbies, like, on and mm. off. and Like crocheting. Like crocheting. <laughs> or making shorts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had this phase where I made, I sewed, like, shorts. Amazing shorts. <laughs> the softest. <laughs> but, yeah. I like to try new things out, but I don't really stick to one thing. And, yeah, I like to just, I don't know, casually <laughs> try things out. Um, so, in terms of jobs, virtuosos are born problem solvers with unwavering focus on practical solutions, though perhaps not always solutions to practical problems. No other type is quite as fascinated by how things work, how tools can be used, and how facts can be put together to create immediate and satisfying results. This combination of curiosity and hands-on vigor make people with a virtuous so personality type excellent mechanics, engineers, graphic designers, and forensic scientists. And some other jobs um, that that resonate with virtuoso personalities are jobs that focus on crisis response, such as firefighters, which is not really <laughs> something that I expected. Oh, also paramedics, detectives, pilots, and police officers, wow. which I do not agree with because I could not handle that kind of like stress. <laughs> I, I don't do well in like a high stress environment. <laughs> um, but so you definitely more resonate with like the mechanic. Yeah, yeah, like doing it? stuff with my hands. Mm -hmm. um, actually. One of the fields that I applied to for grad school was bioengineering, so I wanted to try yeah. something new out, but I don't know. Okay, enough about me. So let's see what <laughs> Linda had as a result. Um, so I had the INFJ result, and this is the advocate personality. So according to the website, this personality type is very rare. Um, Making up less than one percent of the population. That's, that's what yeah. they said for mine too. <laughs> I mean, what? we're not They're clear lying. about what the population is. Is like the global population, or I don't know what's their sample size. Yeah, or just like people who took the. We MBA need to yeah. investigate <laughs> <laughs> validity. Um. So, advocates have an inborn sense of idealism and morality, but what sets them apart is that they are not idle dreamers. Um, and in this manifest and concrete steps in realizing goals and to make lasting positive impacts. So people with this personality type tend to see helping others as a purpose in life. Um, and it also includes a real passion to get to the heart of the issue. So people don't need um, help at all, to, but kind of get to where they can uh, help themselves. 
So this desire to um, help people and connect makes careers in healthcare and also more holistic varieties very rewarding. Um, so this includes roles as counselors, psychologists, doctors, life coaches, spiritual guides. Um, and then advocates also pursue expressive careers such as writing, um, music, photography, design, and art. And they're focused on themes of personal growth, morality, and spirituality. So this does sound like me. Like a hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly what you are. <laughs> like one hundred. I was kind of shocked because I was, I was taking the MBTI test with a big grain of salt. So I do appreciate this kind of holistic, um, like well-rounded personality that I can really like identify with. Um, so as like a public health major, I do resonate with holistic healthcare. Um, my family does kind of traditional medicine. Um, we do like fire cupping, like Tai Chi, stuff like that. So I grew up with it. I really appreciate Tai Chi is holistic medicine. I mean, it's like holistic health like because whole body mm, kind yeah. Of yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like exercising as a form of like healing. Um, and yeah, I do enjoy um, art and creativity. And I feel like being interdisciplinary is like a big focus in my life. So yeah. Does this change your perception of whether the Myers-Briggs test is a good indicator for, like, categories of people? I mean, with, like, 16 different personalities, I feel like anyone will be able to fit in mm-hmm. to, would be able to fit into one. Um, I think my supervisor said there's only six types of people who look alike in mm-hmm. in the world. Like, so, physically look alike? Yeah, physically look alike. Oh. Like, six types of, like, faces. Like huh? face structure? Yeah, like face Like structure. roundness of the face and like the shape of the eyes. I feel like roundness like could thing. be a factor. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. It's definitely a factor for me, but like... Yeah. I feel like there's way more than that. Mm. But there can be like any combination of these of these letters, so mm-hmm. people can really identify themselves with it. I think when I first heard that you, your little person was called an advocate, like, <laughs> that makes sense. Like, if you know yeah. Linda at all, as... And a former employee of, like, MICA, which is our kind of, you would say, like, maybe diversity office on campus. Yeah. They're, like, Linda used to work for that, an advocate right there. And so I think it makes sense, especially when you hear about the more, like, artsy side of it, mm-hmm. not just healthcare. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I was, um, I'm, like, an ex-INFJ. <laughs> I was so <laughs> sad to give that up, but hearing it for you totally makes sense. Like, yeah. I barely see myself in it now. Okay, what do you see yourself in now? Well... Because when I first took the test freshman year, I got a strong INFJ, and I was like, yes, I relate to this. Um, but then you got INFJ, and then I was like... We, we are not the same. We are <laughs> we are not the same. Our personalities are definitely... We have similar stuff. Like, mm-hmm. we're both introverts, I would say, but there's, like, definitely something different between us. So I was like, one of us is wrong. <laughs> so we, we both took the test again, and then I got um, ISFJ, T, the Defender, I was like, what is this? Like, I don't like how this sounds. It doesn't roll off the tongue as easily. But when I read more into it, it definitely makes sense. So the Defender personality type is, again, like all of you guys, quite unique, according to the website, um, as many of their qualities defy the definition of their individual traits. Those sensitive Defenders have an excellent analytical abilities. Though reserved, they have well-developed people skills and robust social relationships. And though they are generally a conservative type, um, they're often receptive to change and new ideas. 
and it says that it makes up 13% of the population. Again, we don't really know what population they're referring to, but mm -hmm. like 13% is a lot bigger than 1%. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, I definitely relate yeah. to... Especially out of 16 total. Yeah. yeah. Um, it makes up a decent amount. But funnily enough, I've met more INFJs, I think, than... Anyway, anyway, um, for jobs, it says that defender personalities prefer to be rewarded by seeing firsthand the positive impact of their efforts and will remain enthusiastic simply knowing that what they do is genuinely appreciated by the people they care for. This makes them natural counselors, technical support, and interior designers where they are able to help others one-on-one -on -one without having to worry about corporate politics. Their strong, well-developed institutions like Minded friends are attractive workplaces for people with the defender personality type, and careers such as elementary school nurses and social and religious workers are attractive options. Hmm. Um, I'd say I definitely relate to the first part when it's talking about the personality in general because I feel like I, um, it's, I'm kind of like contradictory when I think about it because I'm definitely an introvert. Like, I definitely need time to recharge and, like, be by myself. But mm. especially among, like, maybe you two, I find that, like, sometimes I'm more willing to be social or... With us or no, when you're like, with us? No, like, with more, like, strangers, I guess. Because yeah. when mm. I think about, like, when we go to TASA... Yeah. You're the most social out of us I would when say, we go to TASA. Yes, but it's surprising because around other people, like some of our other friends that mm -hmm. we know, I'm we're all more conserved, conservative and quiet. But I guess when it... In comparison to other people, I am more outgoing, mm -hmm. and um, I think that's definitely changed since college, because in high school, I was pretty quiet, but I do find that I like interacting with people more, but I still need, like, time to um, recharge, and I think it's true what they say about, like, me being kind of conservative, but also open to new ideas. I think I definitely am conservative, and, like, I like tradition, kind of, and I mm -hmm. like the idea of, like, not rules, necessarily, but, like, Bullet journaling. Bullet journaling and <laughs> having things in place and knowing what to expect. Yeah. But also I am, I'm like, I'm not politically conservative at all. Yeah. So like in different ways, it's kind of contradictory. And then when it comes to like the jobs, um, first of all, I would never be an elementary school teacher. Like <laughs> I could not imagine wrangling kids, let alone teaching them. So that's definitely off for me. But I get what they're saying about how like you want to help people one-on-one -on -one and see that your help is like, helping others I guess yeah so in that sense yes um I don't know I guess the closest thing that I would like to do is interior design I knew it because <laughs> mm -hmm. I like that creative I like yeah. the mix of creative and like interacting with people but um I don't know I don't know what do you guys think I mean for all of us like how would mm. I guess the interior designing because it's like creative and you're like left with a product that you can mm. it, I mean it helps people because they're living in that space they can feel good in it so yeah, I agree with, like, helping others one-on-one. -on -one was that something you seem like you'd be interested yeah. in? Like, counselors, yeah. like, being RA and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, RA. Yeah. RA. <laughs> I feel for all of us, we're all, like, kind-hearted people. We well, all I think wanna... you're the natural counselor, because everyone goes to you for their, like, relationship advice. For some stuff. reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I this test is, like, helpful to see maybe what your strengths and weaknesses might be, but um, it definitely isn't, like, the end-all, be-all, because as we'll talk, really quickly soon uh, we're going to talk about what careers we're actually interested in and then kind of compare that to the test results okay so now that we have a general understanding of the myers-briggs test and we have all gone through our own personality types we're going to delve deeper into careers and how it might agree with our test results and might not and what we plan to do post-grad so sally why don't you get started again okay so in high school i actually had no really 
clear idea of what I really wanted to do. Um, I knew I was good at like science and math, and I really liked art, but I didn't think I wanted to make a career out of that. But one thing, <laughs> this is, sounds kind of silly now, but like I, one thing I really liked or thought about doing was plastic surgeon. Ooh, I um, remember that. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, oh, I can combine like designing and like science, medical school, I don't know. But then I like, I mean, as I entered like freshman year of college, I was like, uh, I'll just like say like medical school and see where that takes me. So I joined like AMSA <laughs> and I did not like I mean, I it. I think we all went to the first yeah. meeting. Define AMSA. Yeah. Oh, American Medical Student Association, I think. Yeah, people Sounds there right. were very intense. And I went to the one of the pre-health advising workshops or something. And then the people there were very scary. They were like, if you get one B, you are basically like it's not over. not on track to be in med school. So I was like, as a biochem major, um, my classes were very hard and I got many Bs and I was just like, there's no hope. Like I can't, <laughs> like my grades, my GPA, like I don't think I can get to med school. And also like, as I was like, as my friends were like getting um, scribing positions and like volunteering in hospitals, I was like, I didn't really feel passionate about it, and I didn't really want to like dedicate so much time to pursue something that I wasn't really passionate about. So I went back and like tried to figure out what else I could do, and then at the time, I think I was starting to do research at my um, on campus lab. And I really, well, I, so the research there was about, like, reproductive, um, like, evolutionary biology and mice. <laughs> and mice. It's very, like, interdisciplinary, I guess. So it was really interesting, like, um, seeing all these different, like, facets of science, like, come together. We did, like, some molecular biology and some, um, <laughs> some I don't know, reproductive stuff. So that was pretty cool. Um, I wasn't really like I wasn't really sure that this was something I wanted to do post grad, but I thought like doing research would be something I would be interested in. So that's how I decided to kind of pursue a PhD um, after mm-hmm. college in in like biology research. And then, um, well, first off, I decided to do a PhD instead of a master's because my mom's advice was that like, a master's won't get you far in terms of biology because you always be limited. You can't step up to like a higher like manager position, mm-hmm. and you know you're always going to be limited, and you're going to regret not doing the PhD. And your so, mom has experience in this field. Yeah, right? she actually got only got a master's herself, and she says that a lot of her colleagues like kind of like feel like she's not like because she's in a pretty like high up position in the FDA, and like a lot of her colleagues who like ha- or they might have like PhDs or like they want to go up to her position like, can't because she's in the position and there aren't any open positions and they're kind of like, oh, I, like, I don't think she deserves to be there sometimes. Oh. So she kind of feels, like, awkward about that situation. So, yeah, that's her, that was her advice to me. So, and I agree with it. Um, you always want to try to expand your opportunity. So I think PhD is a good idea. Do you think yeah. that um, seeing your peers in college who were pre-med like helped you or helped clarify the decision that you didn't want to do pre-med or you felt like you were comparing themselves or maybe both I think a combination of both because I would compare myself to like their grades I know like I have a lot of friends in my major actually who have like great grades or great GPA and they're able to pull it off but I was just like it's not for me um I don't know how they're doing it but 
yeah, they're, they seem to really enjoy pre-med and they're able to like keep up with their studies, which is pretty amazing. Do you you think that like, if you had the grades and everything, do you, do you still think you have the interest in being a medical doctor or like you realize like even with the grades, you wouldn't be interested? I don't know. I feel Mm. like even with the grades, um, I wasn't really passionate about it. Mm. Like learning about, I don't know, just learning about like diseases and like I, because I took, um, well, just this year, I took um, microbial pathogenesis, and a lot of it was, like, directed to, like, because a lot of students in my class are pre-med, and a lot of it was directed to, like, the symptoms and, like, how to diagnose and stuff like that, and I wasn't really that interested in it. Um, I'm more interested in, like, the, I guess, the molecular mechanisms of how, like, these bacteria and viruses work. Mm. So, yeah. So, PhD is more, like, advancing knowledge yeah I really like learning yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and I like the trial and error of like research so I think that's a challenge for me Mm, the virtuoso type doesn't seem to include like research or anything I mean detective or well in broad terms it's like you like to be a problem solver Mm -hmm. and like unwavering focus on practical solutions so I, I guess that kind of yeah I, d- I definitely mm-hmm. see it um applied especially when you were talking about how you want to go into a bioengineering program mm-hmm. and it specifically says engineering you definitely are more of the hands-on type person because mm-hmm. even when you were explaining to us about like what you do in lab with um mice testes, <laughs> testes yeah. I was like oh okay but you seemed like really into like the actual hands-on component yeah I really like lab work it's like a mind-numbing like but also it's interesting because I don't know you get to dissect you get to do like a lot of different things I get to dissect mice I get to um like Pipet. <laughs> pipetting is just a basic <laughs> activity so oh my gosh but yeah I get to make slides out of the testes so like embed them in wax and stuff like that just pretty cool so I would say, like, um, have you worked in, a like, a bio lab? No. Nah. Okay, so I worked in, a like, a bio lab. <laughs> this quotation marks. Um, you can't count it. Sophomore <laughs> year. It was, like, this lab. I thought I, this was a chance to get, and it was a chance to get, like, lab experience, but it was more of a class teaching you how to work in a lab more than actual lab, like, mm-hmm. experience, I'd say. But even there... I know that I am completely different from Sally because pipetting and even doing more than just pipetting, running actual like DNA uh, PCR tests mm-hmm. bored me to death. Mm-hmm. I I could not wait until I could get out <laughs> of lab, but I had to get a certain number of hours to get credits. So in that way, we're really different. So how would you, or what advice would you give to people who like want to see if lab work is for them, but like they're not sure? Yeah. So definitely, what I would say is. Pick a lab that you're actually interested in because My even mistake. if, yeah, because your experience in the lab really like matters a lot. And even if it's not something you're entirely interested in, if you're like interested in learning like one technique or if you like the people or the PI, you think they're really smart, like that will influence your opinion of like research in general. And I have a lot of friends who like after, I don't know, like a first or second like lab experience. Like, they fall in love with the subject that they're doing, like, even undergrad, so... How did you find your lab? I found it, actually, through my genetics professor, Dr. Oh, Puxel, Puxel. <laughs> which I had, who I had lunch Puxel. with this week. Wow, okay, flex. Wow. That was our... She came to our lab lunch. Um, but, yeah, she she put it on, like, an announcement at the end of class, so, and I was looking for, like, a research opportunity, so I just reached out, and they accepted me. So is it her mm. lab, or she was just... No, she... she at, I think she's friends with my PI. Oh, okay. Wow, we got a yeah. lot of pretzel. <laughs> yeah. I always want to say pretzel. But. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. And yeah. I think for a lot of people, especially maybe Asian American females mm-hmm. going into um, college, at least I had this perception that yeah. I would be pre-health, pre-med maybe. And I think, Linda, you did too, like pre-PA, mm-hmm. pre-health. And everyone I meet is always like, yeah, I want to be like pre-med, um, especially in the major, Linda and I are in mm-hmm. public health science. It's a lot of people who used to be pre-med. Um, so... Yeah, I think we all have that experience of starting out, but it really, I think, depends on how you do in your yeah. classes, but also yeah. the experience you get. Because how are you supposed to know that you want to do this and, like, go to school for another four years without, mm-hmm. like, really getting that experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, coming from, like, science and tech program mm, kind of, like, primed us to Can you go explain into that STEM. a little more? <laughs> so, uh, the high school we went to had, like, a magnet program for science and technology where we were kind of encouraged to take um, STEM classes mm-hmm. more, um, so for me personally, it made learning seem like just associated with STEM. So I didn't know how to like learn and research in the humanities until I came to college. And um, that kind of influenced me into doing public They've health They've actually science. revamped the science and tech program. Now they have more different like That's focuses. Yeah, yeah. They have like four different focuses instead of just STEM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'd really nice. say the science and tech program that we were, because we all went to the same high school. And I think it was a good program. Everyone wanted to test into it. It was a good yeah. opportunity. And it did, it had accelerated classes, but it did really narrow my mindset of what I could do. I could either, mm-hmm. in my mind, I could either do, like, pre-med, medicine, research, or maybe business. I don't know, I guess people do that, but, like... I don't like, think anyone <laughs> wants a business. Well, I, like, now, people, some right. people want yeah. business, but... But it was very, then. very science-heavy, and yeah. that's a good thing that, like Linda said, it doesn't, like, I didn't even know you could do research in the humanities. Like, yeah. what is that? Yeah. All I knew of was the scientific method, and I don't, is that even applied in the humanities? Why don't you talk more about, like, your experience? Um, so I work in a psychology lab, so that's more, like, social sciences, but um, it's called the Gender, Culture, and Health Lab, so it has a lot of, like, interdisciplinary things, and, um, what we're talking about, like, the process, it's not really, like, the scientific process, mm-hmm. which is, like, hypotheses and things like mm-hmm. that. You just find a thing that you want to um, research in, and then there's different methodologies. For me, I did, like, grounded theory, which is, like, interviewing. There's, like, surveys. Um, there's focus groups. There's, like, curriculum building. So a lot of that was completely new to me, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed learning about it. So for your research, is it mostly, like, interview-based? And, like, do you conduct like I don't know controlled trials or something with people I don't know um so a lot of it is like survey mm-hmm. based um where like different measures for like eating symptoms for like um racial identity things like that but there's also we do like intervention based things like for example we had like a masculinity study mm-hmm. where we interview people based on different masculine norms and how they felt and they can kind of work through that through the questions that we gave to them mm-hmm. yeah that sounds really cool and I remember mm-hmm. hearing about that lab um but yeah it's a totally different like perception mm-hmm. between like Sally's lab and Linda's lab yeah um can you like explain kind of because we all came from the same high school so mm-hmm. how did um you get into this rather than going into the same path Sally did um I guess like after getting more into college and learning about like identity politics and um, things like that. I wanted to learn more in that field, and I think we applied to, <laughs> we applied to the lab, and that's how I heard about it. You applied it. to it, too? I applied. <laughs> I was rejected. 
rejected. <laughs> a harsh, harsh blow. But honestly, Linda like would, is doing excellent in the lab, and I, I didn't get it for a reason. So no shade there. But, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but because you came in as public health, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't even know that was a major yet, but that's what I am now. So yeah. um, I guess were you still holding on to the science and tech idea of health? Or, like, where do you see yourself taking this? And, like, and now you have a second major. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, public health is very interdisciplinary. Um, and I think now I know how to pick out stuff that I like. So I really enjoy maternal and child health. I did not enjoy, like, epidemiology. <laughs> like, finding the incidence, finding the prevalence. Like, no. Um, I did a lot of them in micro class, too. Not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, not doing any of that, but I still want to take away the aspect of public health that values like well-being that values like health equity because it's just like I feel like healthcare is kind of like the purest form of labor like you're benefiting someone so directly like no matter like what it is like helping someone be healthy is always a good thing and that sounds so. familiar to what your um, <laughs> your INFJ personality uh-huh. type is mm-hmm. like the purest form of helping um I think they mentioned healthcare was, like, in one of them, but I know you don't want to go into healthcare, like, yeah. directly. Mm-hmm. Also, like, things like childcare and things like that is very, like, intrinsically helpful on, like, things that are more, like, business and mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that, where it's more, like, tangentially helpful. You don't see the effects as directly. But also thinking about, like, I don't know, I kind of don't want to connect personality to jobs mm. that much because it is, I don't know, it's, like, probably... It can be problematic to say, like, oh, it, you should do something you love or, like, you're pressured to do something you love. That's because, a privileged, like, yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and, like, that's not available for anyone, so, for, like, everyone. Um, so sometimes you have a job that you don't like that much, but you have other, like, aspects of your life, um, like your friends, your hobbies, things like that, that make you fulfilled. That kind mm-hmm. of also kind of goes along with your... So your job is in your entire life. Yeah, like, yeah. like your company is mm-hmm. not your family. It doesn't like, define They don't, you. like, value yeah. you. Yeah, yeah there are definitely, definitely differences in how people perceive their jobs. Because mm-hmm. uh, I would say for some people, they're very much, like, their job is their life. And if they can't, like, work in a job that they're passionate about, then, like, what's the point of working at all? Mm-hmm. But yeah. for some other people, that either is a privilege that they don't have or they're more of just, like, I work to make money so I can live and then hang out with my friends and family. So yeah. Like, definitely different like where do you guys lay I feel like I'm kind of in the middle like my job should be something that I enjoy doing but it doesn't have to be something that like takes up my entire life I guess mm-hmm. I want to have like a life outside my job and pursue other things like hobbies or I don't know friendships stuff mm-hmm. and like you know travel mm-hmm. so yeah what about you um like I think the field that I want to go into is kind of connected to like identity more so it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to separate yourself from your job especially if you're doing research on like Asian American identity like racial politics gender um, sexuality so these are all kind of dimensions of identity that we kind of um, experience and we have different life experiences so doing research in that field can be kind of um, I don't know you kind of invest more and in, especially in like academia like the industry wants you to just, like, invest, and I guess there's not a lot of, like, job support, so that's also a balance that you need to need to have, like, where are the, yeah. like, what's the salary like, is there, like, protection, um, is your, like, energy being put 
to like a beneficial place. I actually read this article from my honor seminar that it was about like how post-doctorate, like postdocs yeah. have trouble finding a permanent position after like they'll, they'll jump from fellowship to fellowship mm-hmm. and they won't be able to find like a tenure position at an institution because there aren't that many open positions and like a lot of people like are set on staying in academia and they really like they like the I don't know I guess they like the prestige or mm-hmm. they just like teaching or something um but it's just really hard for them to find a full-time job and then though like there's also this age pressure where like I don't know, you're, like, in your 30s or 40s, and you still don't, ha- still don't have, like, a permanent position, and you're jumping from place to place, it's kind of hard to, like, keep that up mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, how, yeah. like, we rely on, like, the labor of adjuncts and, like, grad students yeah. to, like, do all this, and we, like, don't pay them. But also, yeah. this applies to so many industries, like, the video game industry or, like, graphic ones. I, like, you know, like, the Sonic movie about oh, how he, like, he, like, looks super weird, yeah. and they, like, made them do, made the artists do, like, crunch time to, oh. like, make him like better looking or something and like the same team worked on worked on like lion king all these big projects and then a lot of them got laid off um mm-hmm. especially after doing so much work so it's like how are you really being valued mm-hmm. so i think we touched on it briefly but to bring it back to careers post-grad you mm-hmm. plan as well as sally to get a um phd is that your idea yeah i'm applying to grad programs right or now. you're also doing some master's programs too right yeah but <laughs> like, like master's is kind of hard because i do want to get a phd in the long run yeah. so i'm like just like go for it now mm-hmm. also master's programs usually aren't funded yeah as well as phds so okay yeah. on to you ming <laughs> <laughs> i think uh i have a very different perspective of you two because unlike sally and linda i have no interest in staying in academia i don't want to get a phd um but yeah that's a that's like a different idea i have because when we were talking earlier about um how we want to spend our time and like putting our energy towards like our job or like outside commitments mm-hmm. and stuff like that I am definitely or what I've realized from interning and just working odd jobs here and there is that I am someone who needs to really enjoy my job I cannot like sit I work at a desk job right now and I love what I do but like in other desk jobs I would just sit there and like count the hours until mm-hmm. I could leave and I can't imagine um working in that like, situation that yeah do it like for the rest of your life for the rest of your life when you retire at like mm-hmm. age 70 now with like getting higher and higher every year but like I could not do that so I'm definitely looking for a position or a job that like I feel fulfilled in and I feel like I am helping um but also I, I want time with my friends and family but I, it's definitely more of a balancing act and mm. um but I just from my experience of working in a lab and then just hearing about research I'm not interested in it I <laughs> To me, when I attend college, like right now, um, I see it as more of, I want to go to college to get something out of it. I don't really mm. want to give something back, which yeah. sounds bad, but I'm more of like, I want to learn from people. I don't necessarily want to be doing the ones researching. Yeah, like you don't mm-hmm. owe anything to yeah. I The idea, okay, so I took an honor seminar class about how to do research and then get grants and then publish your paper. And I love the struggle, <laughs> the struggle that people go through just to put their stuff online and to be like slightly accessible by college students is like yeah. so incredibly hard. I don't know how you two are like so passionate about that because I I would not be wanting to like rely on grants and like grinding my butt off to mm. publish a paper that people will read. But like, yeah, I'm definitely more of like I want to see a product, and yeah. I think that connects to my personality, I yeah. guess, more. So I was also in um, science and tech with Sally and Linda, and I 
started out as undecided because originally I applied to bio and I didn't get in to the bio program because at UMD it's one of why don't they let you in? It's like one of those programs that are like um, limited enrollment and LEP. Oh, yeah. So because they have so many people interested in like um, bio, I think business might be one of engineering. Yeah, like yeah. they limit how many people they let in automatically. So um, I guess my experience and grades in high school wasn't enough. So I didn't get in and I got put into letters and sciences, which is like the undecided group. And at the time, I was really embarrassed, and I don't know if I mentioned. Did I mention it? I to didn't you know you applied to bio. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't mention it to anyone. I don't even think I told my mom. I was just like, oh yeah, I just I want to be undecided. Like <laughs> I'm just. This is what I originally wanted to do because um, I was just so embarrassed. But I think it was a really good outcome for me because it did open my eyes to other possibilities. And then Linda was talking about public health, and so I like looked into it more. And mm. I was like, okay, I'll do public health because <laughs> it's not so like science empirical science heavy mm-hmm. but it is more of like uh inter interdisciplinary yeah. view a broader understanding of health and it's like every class I took except for a few this semester <laughs> but most of the classes I've taken in this major is so interesting to me that after every class I'm like I want to do that one I want to do that one like mm-hmm. when I took genetics I want to be a genetic counselor when I took um That'd be a cool job. epidemiology mm-hmm. they were talking about like studying um diseases based on like social media and how you can track it I was like I want to do that I even hit up like the researcher because I thought I was interested in research but at the end of the day um some of my other extracurricular activities of like working on marketing for Technica and doing that I really saw that yes I want to work in the healthcare space but not in the like traditional way Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean it does intersect it does. Yeah. Everything intersects with health, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's so applicable to everything. Oh, like, because Japan is using, there's a new thing, they're using, like, Sailor Moon to, like, put forth marketing against, like, syphilis. And oh, family, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I don't know how effective it is, but it's, like, very popular. Yeah, I'm taking, um, so what I, maybe I should start back. Um, so for Technica, the one of the programs that I did on the side, like, extracurricular-wise, I did marketing just, like, on a whim. And from that... Uh, marketing a nonprofit org and like a mission that you believe in I was really motivated by that but then I was like but I still like health I still mm-hmm. like public health I don't want to completely stray from that and also like part of me was like it's kind of embarrassing to like to retrace your steps yeah yes. to retrace yeah. so many times mm-hmm. I'm like I don't want to be a marketing major like mm-hmm. I still like and marketing is so like anything in the business world is so financially defined and like yeah. everything you're doing is based on numbers yeah mm-hmm. um, and I'd rather it be based on, like, number of people healthy and stuff like, make a more direct yeah, yeah. impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, how do you combine the two? And then I realized there's a field called health communication. Yes. And it's all about, like, yes, everyone on the academic level are doing these high-level, like, studies. Mm-hmm. Um, even um, doctors are, like, doing research and stuff. But, like, how do you convey that to the public? Yeah. I think that's really important. Also, when you, like, consider different levels of health literacy and mm-hmm. understanding, like, how can someone who is a college-educated student understand it versus how does someone who lives in a more um, rural area that has limited access to, uh, like, social media or news hear about it? So yeah. I'm more interested in that. But then... <laughs> uh, more. <laughs> it's just an evolving story. So I, I intern now at this large um, reproductive health, like, organization, I would say. Uh, I don't really want to say the name just because it's so, like, politically... Really? Yeah. Do you think I should just say it? Up to or, you. Yeah. Okay, I work at Planned Parenthood. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, it's it's such a it depends on like most of the people I say I work there, like 
people around here are like, wow, that's cool. But, like, mm-hmm. I do have to be careful about who I say it to. Because the older generation. Do you do abortions? Yeah, yeah. My grandma came after me. So <laughs> it's just, like, I guess who you tell. But anyways, I work there for their brand and marketing. Mm-hmm. And even there, I realized, even as a nonprofit that has great missions and goals, it's still number-driven at the end of the day. Yeah. Because while it is a nonprofit, you still need to make money to, like, survive. Mm-hmm. So marketing is still based on numbers, still based on, like, um people coming in and even more so because it's a nonprofit, it's so reliant on grants that mm, everything you to appeal yourself a lot. E- yeah everything yeah. has to be accounted for and my boss is always like counting numbers and analytics and it's just so number focused well I don't see like the impacts as mm. much as I wanted to so that yeah. was like kind of like something I wasn't expecting and I thought that health communication was the field I wanted to go in maybe because the, like <sighs> yeah my parent is like so big you can't really see the effects but with, like a smaller nonprofit. <laughs> we're yeah. like hitting the 45 minute mark I think but um, yeah I, I'd say basically I've changed my mind several times and now I'm looking into more of like um, design centered um, careers like UX design mm-hmm. and I don't want to keep saying that I'm straying too far from healthcare but like I still want to incorporate that in some way Yeah. Mm-hmm. so it's like it's complicated mm-hmm. okay I think we've rambled long enough about our own like um, career interests and experience but we want to give something back to you guys um maybe something we've learned from all of our experiences somehow mm-hmm. maybe you can take something from it and be able to um, either clarify what path you're going on or just like take some of our advice for fun so um linda do you want to start um so something that really helped me in this like career and educational thing was like my mentors so when i worked at micah i had a mentor that i got close to this like the first like adult person that I really shared with and I feel like she really taught me how to how to like love the like love work and Mm -hmm. like connect myself to it and like through her and like like how she believed in me I was able to move on to other opportunities but each mentor is very valuable so I guess just like it's very important to like pick the people like when I'm applying through like PhD programs I I look at who the faculty is, I look at their grad students, um, and I guess, like, getting close to your mentor shouldn't be a scary thing. Um, I'm so scared of that. Yeah, (laughs) but I guess, like, finding mentors that value, like, non-hierarchical learning, that um, kind of challenge, like, power dynamics in academia, that practice, like, feminist teaching, feminist mentorship, um, like, finding those values will, like, really help you a lot. Oh, yeah. Sally, do you have advice about um, finding a lab to work in? Yeah. Yeah. So I think overall, um, you should try your best to just apply to like a variety of things that you're, you think you might be interested in, even if you don't like know for sure. Like even if you have a little bit of interest, just try it out and meet with the people, like talk to them. Um, send out cold emails because that actually works. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, after you're getting to like know what the lab actually does and talking to people I think you should really think about the lab environment as well as research because um, whether or not your lab has like a learning a good learning environment really matters and I guess some some labs like I have a friend who's who's working in this lab and they're very like I guess cold is the word like they're very driven by um, results and they're not really like interested in teaching r- rather than like just doing lab work mm-hmm. so I think it's really important to have like a learning experience and gaining something from the lab that you that you can take away 
Um, so Ming, do you want to talk about like how you found your internship and some advice about that? Uh, yeah. First, I'd like to add on to what the two said that um, finding the correct environment and like taking that chance. But I also say like if you do take that chance and you realize that it isn't the right environment for you, don't feel like you have to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. as an undergrad, I think when I worked in the bio lab <laughs> um, I hated it so as soon as I was able to as soon as like oh the semester's ending I took that appropriate step of being like I don't think this is the right direction for me mm-hmm. I can't come back next semester and I think a lot of people are afraid that that looks bad like to not have continued experience but that I mean this yeah. is the time to do it yeah mm-hmm. college and so on that limb I'd say also when it comes to internships do put yourself out there um, use your resources I used LinkedIn I check it pretty often. It's become like a habit for me. But sometimes you'll see really great um, opportunities on there. But also, if you have an organization in mind that you do want to intern with, especially nonprofits, a lot of time they just have openings on their website that you should check. So I bookmark like a few websites that I want to, um, or a few companies that I do want to work at. So I check it maybe like once a week. So I'd suggest that. And then from there, apply, try to have someone read over your resume. Mm -hmm. I think that's common sense. And then um, when you do get to your interview, don't be afraid to um, show your personality because people are at an internship, you're going to be working there and hopefully for money or at least credit. So Mm -hmm. you want to make it a fair exchange. So you don't want to hide your personality and then you work there and they're like, what? Like, this is not the person I hired. So Mm -hmm. it should be a fair, like reciprocal uh, trade I think between the two yeah yeah and then at the internship make sure you're doing your best to learn like again like similar to the labs it should be a learning environment you mm-hmm. shouldn't be fetching coffee yeah. every single day like you're day. not an employee you should be getting exactly something from especially yeah. if you're not paid which is a whole nother conversation <laughs> but at your internship you should be learning and whenever you get to talk to your boss if you don't feel like you're learning you should bring it up with them and be like hey like I am an undergrad and this is what I'm here for I'm here to learn mm-hmm. so can we figure out an arrangement for that but yeah, that's basically all the tips we had because I think we're still going through it and like mm-hmm. we're still yeah. like um, learning new things every day. But if any of you all have tips. <laughs> oh, wait, I have one more yeah. thing to add. For In terms of research, um, one thing um, about labs is you try to find a lab that will let you do some in- independent research. Mm-hmm. Um, and also if they're not really like giving you the opportunity maybe you could join like if your university has like an honors program or like some kind of thesis mm-hmm. program that will like force you to do independent research then try to do that because um, I think independent research is really important to like if you if you're interested in research it'll give you a really good sense of what it's like and like what writing a paper is like so mm-hmm. that's my yeah, that's good. I think that's a really good tip and I think all of our advice not to um, be too prideful but I think we all have good advice because Either way, everything you do is a learning experience, and as much as it might suck to work in an environment that is not the best, like, again, this is a time to learn what you do and don't like. So um, this is a really long episode, <laughs> uh, definitely longer than our first 15-minute episode, but I hope you all learned something. I hope that the MBTI Myers-Briggs test was interesting at least, and maybe you'll go out, um, try to go to the 16 Personalities website and, like, try to take the test yourself. But also, as Linda said, don't put too much pressure on connecting your personality to your career because, again, that that is a certain type of privilege and, like, it is just a label at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you can always change and be dynamic. And, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Uh, We really had fun talking about it. I think we all talked longer than we expected to. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, that's all we had for today.
Thanks for listening to our second episode of Moving Oolong. So if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Instagram at Moving Oolong Pod for future updates. And also feel free to join the conversation by reaching out to us at movingoolong at gmail.com. And we're also on iTunes now. Make sure, to, <laughs> make sure to subscribe and rate or review us on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. Bye.